0: Hello everyone and welcome to Saving Minds, the podcast that uncovers what's happening in the search for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease treatments. I am your host today, Shanti Skiffington. I am minus my co-host, Dr. Elliot Goldstein, uh, who is away from the podcast today. Um, But today we have a guest, uh, Dr. Joanne Kaplan, who's a noted researcher in protein misfolding diseases. And she's gonna help us dive deeper into the struggle to find a treatment for Alzheimer's disease. She's currently the chief development officer at Promise Neurosciences and has recently authored a paper, uh, several papers, in fact, but one of which we're going to focus on, and that one explains the importance of selectivity as researchers continue their search for a way to stop Alzheimer's disease. So we're going to speak with her about it today. So welcome, Joanne. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Shanti. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So before we begin, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself
0: and share what brought you to the field of research that you're in?
1: Yes. Um, So I grew up in Montreal in Canada, so I did my studies at McGill University. Uh, As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a scientist. I just knew that I wanted to be in the lab, doing experiments, discovering new things, so I did my Bachelor of Science at McGill, and then a PhD in Microbiology and Immunology. Uh, after that, uh, I did some postdoctoral research at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York, and then Hahnemann University in Philadelphia. And that's when I decided to make the move from academia to industry because I wanted to do research that translates into drugs for patients. And to do that, you really have to be working in a company that has the infrastructure to to do that. So then I spent uh, most of my career at Genzyme, which is a biotech company in the Boston area. I was there for 23 years. Uh, That's a really long time. And I was there for that long because it was really uh, an exciting place to be. I got the chance to take part in emerging areas of research like gene therapy, cell-based therapies. I got to work on multiple diseases like inherited disorders like cystic fibrosis, uh, autoimmune diseases, cancer, and of course, what is my current interest, neurological diseases. So during that time, I learned a lot about drug development and uh, I was part of the team that brought two new drugs to patients with multiple sclerosis, uh, the two drugs named Lemtrada and Obagio. And uh, multiple sclerosis, or MS, uh, that's a neurological disease where even not that long ago, there, there was absolutely nothing for the patients. And now the patients have multiple options, good options for, for their disease. And I feel that um, Alzheimer's is currently at the stage that MS used to be at when when there was a, a pressing need for effective treatments uh, and now we are at the cusp of achieving this goal so with the uh, the aging population and baby boomers like myself Alzheimer's is really one of the greatest medical challenges that that society is facing so three years ago, uh, I met uh, Dr. Goldstein and Jean Williams, and I was very excited to join Promise Neurosciences as the chief development officer, because I feel that the company is in a very unique position to develop a successful therapy for Alzheimer's. And this was a really great opportunity to be part of it and to to help make it happen. So recently I wrote uh, a white paper on the importance of selectivity for a therapy. And the reason I did this was uh, to help put in perspective the recent failures that that have occurred in clinical trials for Alzheimer's patients. And that rather than be discouraged by all these failures, uh, help understand what these results have been teaching us and and how we can apply this knowledge to future trials to achieve a, a better outcome.
0: Well, we're really glad that you came to join us to talk about this because part of what we're trying to do on this podcast is get behind what can be some very disappointing headlines and talk about all of the great things that are happening as uh, researchers continue to search for a therapy. So um, for those listeners who are new to our podcast I just wanna point them to episode one where Dr. Elliot Goldstein, my co-host, shared a lot of important background on Alzheimer's disease and why there's still no currently available treatment that can stop the disease. Uh, And that episode is a really good primer for this one, which is really our sort of dig deeper discussion. Um, So let's get started. Joanne, your paper, which I had the opportunity to read, explains why researchers uh, must focus on developing treatments for AD that can attack the right toxic protein and attack it with, with really precise uh, precise mechanism. And I know scientists call this selectivity. So I know I'm asking you to summarize decades of research with my next question, but can you give our listeners a quick overview of the struggle that the research community has really had? Uh, in trying to find some kind of therapy for this disease. Yes.
1: Yeah, so really the uh, the understanding of what causes Alzheimer's disease has evolved over time as more and more information becomes available uh, and it will continue to evolve. Uh, but at this stage, there's a few very important facts that that have emerged. And one of them is... Well, we probably have been going after the wrong target. Um, so what we know now is that uh, the damage to the brain in Alzheimer's, it all starts with a normal protein called amyloid beta or A-beta. And this protein, A-beta, under certain conditions like aging, uh, can misfold into a toxic form. And it forms little toxic clumps called toxic oligomers And these little clumps can cause more A-beta proteins to misfold, and it's like a domino effect that the toxic oligomers then propagate through the brain over the years, uh, killing neurons and giving rise to the gradual decline that that you see in patients. And that's the current understanding, but at first uh, it was thought that it was A-beta plaque that was responsible for killing the neurons meaning those those, uh, insoluble, dense deposit of A-beta that you find in in the brains of patients. They're very characteristic of the disease. You can see them on MRI, but the plaque being there doesn't mean it's the cause of disease. And I think that has been misleading because now it has become very clear that that plaque is not the culprit. Uh, You can take plaque from an Alzheimer's brain and put it on neurons in a dish and it doesn't kill the neurons. Uh, you can even clear plaque from the brain of patients. One of the antibodies that was tested clinically called aducanumab did accomplish that. It cleared plaque, but ultimately it did not slow disease progression. So really what we have to go after are the toxic oligomers. And there are now many studies showing that this is it. This is the main culprit. And that other forms of the protein, like single molecules of amyloid beta or monomers, uh, large aggregates of A-beta or plaque are not the problem. They're the wrong target. And also uh, what has come to light is that uh, another protein that is involved in Alzheimer's disease is called tau. And just like A-beta, it can form toxic oligomers, those little toxic clumps, and propagate throughout the brain. And what has been found is that A-beta oligomers are the trigger that cause the misfolding and aggregation of tau. So it's sort of like a a one-two punch that is taking place. You have A-beta oligomers that get things started and are toxic, and then they recruit tau, which then becomes toxic and propagates. So if you can stop the A-beta oligomers, you can indirectly stop tau because that comes first, but um, ideally you would want to target both types of oligomers, and that this is the new way of thinking.
0: That's very interesting. Uh, it's something that's certainly lost in the headlines that you see about the recent failures, and it's, it's helpful to understand... Uh, that the toxic oligomer is the root cause, and that it leads to tau's role, which is capturing a lot of attention now. So that's very helpful. Thank you. Uh, Not to get too technical here, but Joanne, I read in your paper, and I thought perhaps you could explain it for our listeners, uh, that you were talking about the significance of the blood-brain barrier. And this is an important significance that I don't completely understand, and I'm hoping you can explain it uh, for our non-scientific listeners, and then explain why it's so critical uh, to the development of therapies for Alzheimer's.
1: Yes, yeah, so definitely the, the blood-brain barrier is something to keep in mind when you develop drugs that have their action, their activity in the brain, uh, because the blood-brain barrier is there to protect the brain. Uh, it's a cellular barrier that sits between the blood circulation and the brain. And it makes sure that not just anything can get in, it's protecting the brain. And it is formed by uh, the endothelial cells that line the blood vessels on the blood side. And on the other side, on the brain side, uh, it's made up of specialized cells that are called astrocytes. So these sites on on each side of the the blood vessels are packed tightly together and, and they form what we call tight junctions So they're very tight together, and their job is to not let anything dangerous get in the brain. But it's a double-edged sword, because at the same time, they can also keep out drugs that you want to get into the brain. So you have to to keep that in mind when you're designing drugs. Uh, You can design your drugs to naturally uh, be adept at crossing the blood-brain barriers, but when you're talking about antibodies, they're, they're pretty large molecules. So what happens, you can use antibodies, but when you inject them in the circulation in the blood, only a small percentage makes it across the blood-brain barrier, only 0.1 to 1%. So that little bit that gets in, you have to make it count. And this is why the selectivity for toxic oligomers is so important because if that little bit that gets in attaches itself to plaque or monomers, which are not the cause of disease and which happen to be very abundant in the brain uh, in comparison to the oligomers, which, is, which are kind of a rare species, they're in low concentrations in the brain, uh, it means that you're wasting your ammunition, this, this kind of indiscriminate binding takes the antibody away from the real target and reduces the effectiveness of your therapy. So what we want, what we're after, is that everything that gets in will own in on the oligomers. And unfortunately, none of the antibodies that have been tested to date in the clinic have had this degree of selectivity, but that is what PROMISE is trying to accomplish. So that was very helpful. Thank you. And along
0: that same vein, uh, selectivity is also important, according to your paper, because there are some potentially protective benefits of amyloid beta. And I think this is relatively new understanding among the research community. Can you explain this for our listeners?
1: Yes. So that's a very good point. And it's generally understood that every protein in the body has a purpose, uh, that the body makes a protein for a purpose. And the purpose of A-beta is probably not to give people Alzheimer's disease. <laughs> uh, so there's been some research showing that A-beta monomers are a- actually neuroprotective. They, they keep neurons healthy and they help form synapses, which are the, how the neurons talk to each other. So you really don't want to interfere with that. And um, really what adds to to that is that uh, in some trials that were completed recently with something called base inhibitors, so these are compounds that were designed to just cut off the formation of A-beta monomers. And and there the thinking was, this was the old way of thinking, those trials started years ago when people thought plaque was the problem, is that if you... Prevent monomers from even forming, then you'll prevent them from forming plaque, and then you'll have a treatment for Alzheimer's disease. Uh, The base inhibitors were very good at inhibiting A beta monomer formation. But unfortunately, and this came, I think, as a surprise to a lot of people, they actually made things a little worse. So not only did it not work, it made things a little worse. So this is consistent with, with the notion that it's preferable to leave normal A-beta alone and have a therapy that will only target the toxic oligomers.
0: So you had a fantastic, uh, fascinating graphic, rather, in your paper uh, that that kind of provided a nice visual outline of what the research community has learned from all of its attempts to, you know, hit a shot on goal, get that therapy and, and, and its failures. And I know we can't show it to our listeners, but is there
1: a way you could summarize it for them? Certainly, so, so the graphic is a, a table that summarizes all the different antibodies to A-beta uh, that have been tested or on, are undergoing testing in clinical trials and, and really sort of s- suss out what we learn from, from these failures. And um, so I think big lessons came out of this. One big lesson that I mentioned earlier is that clearing plaque uh, does not prevent the decline in cognition in the patient. So there's uh, an antibody called aducanumab that did that very well. Plaque went away uh, as seen on the MRI, but it did not slow the, the progression of the disease. And another thing that came to light is that actually binding plaque has an increased risk of side effects. Uh, when antibodies like aducanumab, bapinuzumab, um, BAN2401, there's a number of antibodies that bind plaque. Uh, when they do that, they actually cause inflammation in the brain. And some of the patients, not all of them, but some of the patients uh, get swelling of their brain, brain edema, and microhemorrhages, a little bit of bleeding in their brain. So, obviously, that, that's uh, not safe and it, it limits uh, how much antibody you can give. Uh, you want to dose as high as you can because, as I said earlier, only a little bit gets across the blood brain barrier. So, the, the more you give, the more you can get across. But if you bind plaque, you cannot go uh, very high in dose because of, of those potential side effects. So, lesson number one don't go after plaque, don't bind plaque. Um, lesson number two, don't go after the monomers uh, for some of the reasons we already discussed. Um, and there's an antibody called solanuzumab that was designed to do that. Uh, it just really was focused on monomers and um, it, it did not work. And then there are other antibodies that are kind of promiscuous and bind monomers, uh, and but they also happen to bind oligomers. So you would think, well, okay, they bind monomers, but they also bind oligomers, so it should be okay. But it's not because there's so many more monomers in the brain than oligomers that it's all all the antibodies wasted on the wrong thing, and those antibodies have not been efficacious. So, what you want to do again, you come back to to the notion of targeting the toxic oligomer, and so it's a trail of disappointing results but we learned a lot and it it really told us very important lessons about what the real target is and how we could be successful in the future.
0: So failure has taught the Alzheimer's research community a lot. And those learnings have been incorporated into the newer studies that are being initiated soon and the research being done now. But what about some of these studies that were designed? perhaps before we knew everything we've learned uh, from these failures this year. Uh, some, of these, some of these studies are, are in phase two and phase three. Uh, what can we expect from these studies perhaps in the year ahead or next year as they're releasing more data?
1: Yeah, so some studies are, are still ongoing with antibodies that maybe don't have the ideal profile that I described. Uh, so there, there could be more failures in, in the future, but some of them, like uh, the Ban 2401 antibody, already is an, Im- an improvement uh, in terms of being a little more selective than the others. So uh, potentially, that could be a favorable outcome. Uh, but there are also new approaches being developed to have more of a laser-like focus on on the toxic oligomer, and this is what Promise is doing, uh, where we have the capability of determining which portion of a beta uh, becomes exposed when those little toxic clumps are formed. And we have made antibodies against these regions or we call them epitopes that are very exquisitely selective for the oligomers. And and we expect that their selectivity uh, will give rise to greater efficacy and safety uh, and that we'll be able to give safely high doses because there is no binding to plaque uh, or monomers. So I'm very hopeful uh, that this will give a better outcome, and there are also uh, researchers that are focusing on other aspects of the disease, uh, such as uh, targeting neuroinflammation or blood vessel integrity. Uh, Alzheimer's is a multifactorial complex disease, and ideally in the future, we'll have combination therapies for the patients, Uh, and I feel very hopeful that with all the knowledge that that we've accumulated on the biology of Alzheimer's, uh, that we will have treatments on the horizon for patients to have options. So also, I understand,
0: and this is some late breaking news, but you are presenting data on Alzheimer's disease. uh, When this podcast airs, you will have presented it uh, during the same week can you tell us a little bit about
1: the data you're presenting I think it's at the Keystone Symposium That's right it's a, a Keystone symposium which is basically a week dedicated to neurodegenerative diseases where experts come from all over the world to to spend a very concentrated week talking about disease mechanisms and approaches to disease and uh, what I will be presenting on behalf of promise, really is all the data that we have with our lead antibody candidate called PMN310, which is uh, an antibody that is highly selective for toxic oligomers. So I will uh, show the data on what this antibody binds to and how then it it binds only toxic oligomers, not monomers, not plaque, and that this binding translates into... Favorable biological activity, desirable biological activity, meaning uh, that, for example, um, in cultures of neurons, it protects the neurons from being killed by oligomers. Uh, And that um, was also, we were able to show that in in live animals, in mice, uh, that it will prevent the mice from losing their memory when they're injected with toxic oligomers. So this is a, a model of Alzheimer's disease where you inject the mice in their brain with toxic oligomers, and they lose the ability to remember things. Uh, and so there's, it's a behavioral assay where you show them different objects, and, and you can see based on how much time they spend exploring a new object versus something that they've seen before, whether they remember or not. Uh, and our antibody is able to preserve their ability to remember. Uh, and then if we look at the brains of these mice, their neurons are in better shape. Uh, there is less inflammation. Uh, there is less destruction of the neurons. So all that we would want to see for an antibody that we will be taking to, into clinical trials. Wonderful.
0: Uh, well, it's very exciting, and I'm glad we ended uh, with a more hopeful uh, look into the future. Thank you, Joanne. You've provided a lot of great information, a lot of excellent explanation. I know I learned a lot. I I hope our listeners did also. And I, I hope you come back and join us again.
1: You're very welcome. I'd love to come back. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you.